Shalom, shalom. Welcome, welcome, world changers. We're going to be comparing Proverbs chapters 27 through 31 in both the Mesoretic and the Septuagint manuscripts. As always, I'm sure it's going to be very, very uh, interesting because we have so many different um, variants there. So many differences between the Mesoretic, the newer Mesoretic as as compared to the older Septuagint. We're also going to be reading from a book called The Wisdom of Solomon, which was originally in all Bibles until uh, the past couple hundred years, Protestant Bibles printed them without it. But I think it should be considered to be uh, read along with all the other books of Holy Scripture. We also have the the Odes of Solomon. We're going to be reading from that as well, chapters uh, chapters 21 through 24. Not sure if you guys noticed, but um, on several platforms, I posted a video not too long ago comparing. And I did this to get people to think. I did this to get people to think because when you talk about Paul that the perhaps, perhaps, oh, God forbid, perhaps he might have said something that's wrong. I mean, after all, he is an angel, right? I mean, you know, excuse my sarcasm. You know, you always got people coming back saying, well, but Jesus called him. That means everything he said is, is absolute word of God from heaven. True, everything, nothing, nothing is wrong whatsoever. Or, um, well, Jesus, um, he had a vision of Jesus. He had a vision. So therefore, everything that he says is absolute de facto truth and word of God from heaven, every single word for you today. And you know, you get all these comments, all these different, very, very erroneous um, fallacies. When they, they, uh, they apply a certain kind of logic only to Paul, but they don't, they don't apply it consistently to everybody. So what I did was I compared someone like Benny Hinn to Paul, I said, okay. So they both, they both had, uh, you know, they both said they had visions, a vision of Jesus. They both said that Jesus personally called them to preach the gospel. They both were authors, you know. Benny Hinn wrote books. Paul wrote his epistles, and so on and so forth. So I just wanted people to to think, and you know, of course, I got lots of different, uh, uh, <laughs> lots of different responses to that. And, uh, you know, it just seemed like a fire was lit, uh, you know, in some circles and under some people's uh, rears. Um, And so I've been called everything. Of course, I've been called every, I've been called the worst of the worst. Why? For no reason. They didn't give any reasons. No reasons. They didn't, they didn't prove that I said anything wrong. Why? Because I don't think I did say anything wrong. Everything I said was truth. They just can't handle the truth. They can't handle thinking for themselves. Therefore, it short circuits their little parroting brains that just just parrot what their favorite pastors and evangelists have been telling them. And so therefore, I'm evil according to them. So um, I just wish people would actually have you know, use their brains a little bit, actually think a little bit, and actually produce a good argument instead of just name-calling. And uh, the, the ad hominem, um, the ad hominem fallacy, just just calling names or atta- trying to attack my personal character. Did I say anything tr- 
wrong. If I did, I want to know. If I didn't, take it for what it is. Amen? Torah Truth over there on TikTok says, Hey, brother, shalom. Hello. Hello, shalom, shalom. I am streaming live as well on uh, YouTube. And uh, shortly, I'm going to get into some scriptures. I'm going to read actually quite a bit of scripture. We're going to be talking about some stuff. So Brick Train over there on YouTube says, uh, Christopher and uh, everyone, hello. Hello, Brick Train. Good to see you, brother. Uh, I found this. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whosoever or whatsoever is born of God, overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. First John 5, 3 and 4. Yeah, First John is, is, a, really, is a really good book. You, uh, compare First John with, with Paul. I mean, it's we got two totally different tunes being sung here. Um, the Brick Train says, in other words, loving God means obeying his commandments, and God's commandments are not too hard for us. Absolutely. That's true. Absolutely. Um, Brick Train goes on to say, everyone who is a child, or quoting from 1 John chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, everyone who is a child of God has the power to win against the world. It is our faith that wins the victory against the world. Brick Train goes on to say, not defend Paul on everything, but we were made right by faith because our faith is from God. Keep in mind, in that day and in time and in that culture, the word faith in the Hebrew, amuna, which simply means faithfulness. And this is what I was trying to get at there a few nights ago. Uh, if you're faithful, if you have faith, the faith that saves your soul, if you have the amuna, the, the Hebrew, you, that means you're faithful in doing something. You're faithful. So what are you faithful to? How are you faithful? That that was my question, right? So yeah, I, you can say you're saved by faith. Amen. But that faith, what does that mean? Doing, you are faithful to God by obeying his commandments, by doing what he wants you to do, by going by his instructions, by aligning yourself with his word. That's what it means. Brick Train says, but we certainly should follow the law. I agree. Absolutely. Going nowhere, going nowhere says, I'd like to think Paul meant well, even if he wasn't on the ball about everything. I believe he did mean well. Um, I mean, perhaps he didn't. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to completely outrule that. But I mean, everybody means well. Everybody. You think about uh, every man that has ever lived, man, woman, and child uh, that's ever lived, no matter how good or evil they are, they all really mean well deep within their hearts, at least for the most part. Uh, we do have some exceptions. Positive Direction. Welcome, Positive Direction. Says, Shalom, brothers and sisters. Welcome. Welcome. Good to see you. Rick Train says, well, uh, we all agree, I guess, is without action. Uh, faith without action is worthless. It absolutely is. Yeah. I mean, uh, James made it very clear. Faith without works is dead. And, you know, I would go so far as to say, and, and I, I would go so far as to say, Dead faith won't get you an inch toward heaven. That's Sergeant. Good to see you, brother. Good to see you, Sergeant. Sergeant R. Okay, so I'm going to be reading Proverbs chapters 27 all the way through to uh, Proverbs 31, and we are going to be comparing the Mesoretic with the Septuagint. Now, there's a lot of good stuff in here, a lot of good stuff. 
batten down the hatchets, buckle up and get ready for some really good stuff here. And, uh, and uh, buckle up, batten down the hatchets and open your ears, open your understanding, open your mind and let us dive into this and see what ha what's see what god has in store for us tonight huh very good Pro uh positive direction says proverbs 28 verse 9 we're going to actually get to that and very shortly we're going to read that tonight and we're going to compare that between the two um families and manuscripts he who turns his ear from torah even his prayer is an abomination Hmm. Uh, that includes, I mean, that would, uh, that would include a lot of people. A lot of people turn their ear from Torah. That's for sure. The great deception says, uh, Shalom, everyone. Shalom. Great deception. Great to see you, brother. Okay. So let's get into this. This is Proverbs chapter 27. For those of you who are on TikTok, I am streaming live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all these other platforms as well. TikTok is the only platform I'm streaming on that I cannot share my screen on. So unfortunately, you're not going to be able to see what I'm reading. If you want to see what I'm actually reading, if you want to take uh, take advantage of the screen share, go on over to YouTube. Look me up over there, Christopher Enoch. You can find the link to my YouTube um, channel in my TikTok bio. Uh, just hop on over there and... Uh, I'm pretty sure you'll like it better over there. Um, okay. Proverbs chapter 27. On the left-hand side, we have the uh, New King James, which is based upon the Masoretic text. On the right-hand side, we have the Brenton English translation of the Septuagint. Okay. The Septuagint um, is approximately, give or take, some give or take some approximately a thousand years older than the Masoretic. And for that reason, some people believe that it's um, more accurate and it indeed can be in certain areas because of the fact that there's not, uh, there hasn't been that much. Um, well, the Masoretic actually ha it has, is younger, which means there was more time for it to, uh, to change. Uh, as opposed to the uh, the Septuagint. All right, getting on with this. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 1, on the left-hand side, the Masoretic, do not boast about tomorrow. And now I can't help but I have to stop here for just a second because, I mean, this is what James was talking about, right? This is what James was talking about in his epistle. You know, don't boast about tomorrow. It's just say, Lord willing. Um, so, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a what a day may bring forth. Septuagint, boast not of tomorrow, uh, for you know not what the next day shall bring forth. Um, verse 2, Masoretic. Let another man praise you, and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. Uh, Septuagint. Let your neighbor and not your own mouth praise you, a stranger, not your own lips. So, so far, we've, we're pretty on par here. It's pretty much the same between the Masoretic and the Septuagint. Uh, verse 3, Masoretic. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than both of them. 
Septuagint, a stone is heavy and sand cumbersome, but a fool's wrath is heavier than both. Very, very similar. Um, verse 4, Masoretic, wrath is cruel and, and anger a torrent. But who, but who is able to stand before jealousy? Uh, Septuagint, wrath is merciless and anger sharp. So a little bit different there, anger uh, torrent versus anger sharp, but envy can bear nothing. Um, different, it means, at least the last part there, the last phrase, anger can bear nothing, is very similar to the, uh, the Masoretic, uh, who is able to stand before jealousy. Verse 5, Masoretic, open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Wow, we got a lot... A lot of people today need to know that, don't they? Verse 5 in the Septuagint, open reproofs are better than secret love. Verse 6, Masoretic, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Septuagint, the wounds of a friend are more to be trusted than the spontaneous kisses of an enemy. Hmm, a little bit extra uh, detail there, spontaneous. Verse 7, Masoretic, a satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb, but to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. Septuagint, a full soul scorns honeycombs, but to, to a hungry soul, even bitter things appear sweet. So pretty much the same. Um, Masoretic, verse 8, like a bird that wanders from its nest is a man who wanders from its place. Septuagint, as when a bird flies down from its own nest, so a man is brought into bondage whenever he estranges himself from his own place. Hmm, now that's different. So the Masoretic says, a bird wanders. Septuagint, a bird flies down. Similar, but not the same. Uh, Masoretic says, a man who wanders from his place. But the Septuagint says, a man is brought into bondage whenever he estranges himself from his own place. So that is very interesting, if I do have to say so myself. Um, verse 9, Masoretic, ointment and perfume delight the heart, and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. That's pretty good. Uh, verse 9 of the Septuagint, the heart delights in ointments and wines and perfumes. Okay, so we got the extra added wines and perfume, or excuse me, ointments and wines are added. Uh, but the soul is broken by calamities. That's different. The soul is, is broken by calamities compared to the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. That's quite a bit different, isn't it? Verse 10, Masoretic. Do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend, nor go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. Septuagint, your own friend and your neighbor's friend forsake not. And when you are in distress, go not into your brother's house. Better is a friend that is near than a, than a brother living far off. Okay. Um, verse 11, 
Masoretic, my son, be wise and make make glad, make my heart glad, that I may answer him who reproaches me. Hmm. Now, just just a thought. Um, my own thought about this is, it seems like whoever is reproaching this, um, if it was Solomon who actually is speaking here, who wrote this, um, whoever reproaches him is reproaching him because of the behavior of his child. So he admonishes his son, be wise and make my heart glad that I may answer him who reproaches me. In other words, that, that you don't give the enemy, um, disarm the enemy. You don't give the enemy reason to reproach me. Okay, the Septuagint says, son, be wise that my that your heart may rejoice. Oh, that's the opposite, right? But I mean, in this case, both of them could be true in the sense that if, if the son is wise, the father's heart is glad. And if the son is wise, I'm sure the son will be glad as well. Um, but it is different. It is different. And yeah, what can I say? Moving on with the Septuagint and remove yourself, remove from yourself reproachful words. That is different as opposed that as opposed to that I may answer him who reproaches me. Remove from yourself reproachful words. Very interesting, very interesting. We've got we've got a major difference there. Verse 12, Mesoretic, a prudent man forsakes or foresees evil and hides himself. Now, remember, this is very similar to what we read earlier there a few days ago. The simple pass on and are punished. Very, very similar. It's like some of these proverbs are like repeating. You know, it's 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 redundant, isn't it? Um, Septuagint, a wise man, when evils are approaching, hides himself. Now, it doesn't say, it doesn't say anything about foreseeing in there. But fools pass on and will be punished. Similar. The simple pass on and are punished. The fools pass on and are punished. All right. Verse 13 in the Masoretic. Um, Take the garment of him who is surety for a stranger and hold it in pledge when he is surety for a seductress. Very, very interesting. Um, hmm. Surety for a seductress. Very, very interesting there. Um, okay, so in the Septuagint, it says, take away the man's garment for a scorner has passed by whoever lays waste another's goods. Now, there's nothing to do with seductress in there. And notice, we find this very, very frequently in, this, in the Septuagint. What appears to be referring to females in the Masoretic is not in the Septuagint. And that's very notable, isn't it? Take away the man's garment, for a scorner has passed by, whoever lays waste another's goods. Hmm. Very different. Very different. Verse 14. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice... Rising early in the morning, it will be counted a curse to him. So why would this be? Because, you know, blessing your friend with a loud voice is like very rude, right? Being being extra loud like that is rude. Um, and so blessing your friend with a loud voice is really saying one thing with your mouth, but doing another thing with your actions. That's why it says it will be counted as a curse to him. 
Uh, in other words, actions speak louder than words. Verse 14, Septuagint, whoever, pass, whoever shall bless a friend in the morning with a loud voice shall seem to differ nothing from him who, uh, from one who curses him. Very similar. Very, very similar. 15, verse 15. This is Proverbs 27, 15. For those of you who are just joining, uh, a continual dripping on a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Whoever restrains her, whoever restrains her, restrains the wind. In other words, it's you can't restrain her, and grasps oil with his hand, with his right hand. Compare that with the Septuagint verses 15 and 16, saying, um, on a stormy day, on a stormy day. Uh, drops of rain drive a man out of his house. So also does a railing woman drive a man out of his own house. Hmm. Different than the Masoretic. Masoretic doesn't mention about driving out of the house. Verse 16. The north wind is sharp, but it is called by name propitious. And that's so different than talking about the woman over here again. Um, whoever restrains her restrains the wind and grasps oil in his right hand. In other words, you can't really do that. Um, so in the Masoretic, verses 15 and 16 are tied together. Um, that's why I read them together. And in the Septuagint, they are not tied together. They are in two totally different um Proverbs, it seems. Verse uh, 17, Masoretic. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Okay, so over here in the Septuagint, iron sharpens iron and a man sharpens his friend's countenance. Very much alike. Uh, verse 18, Masoretic. Whoever keeps the fig tree will eat its fruit. So he will. So he who waits on his own on his master will be honored. Uh, Septuagint, he that plants a fig tree shall eat of its fruit. Uh, so he that waits on his own master shall be honored. Now, in the Masoretic, to be fair here, in the Masoretic, there's the uh, footnote by the word keeps. Let's check it out. Protects or tends. Okay. So it doesn't really say plant, literally, but... Um, as the Septuagint does. Verse 19, Masoretic, as in water, as in water, face reflects face, so a man's heart re reveals the man. Septuagint, as faces are not like other faces. Huh? Hmm. That's different. As faces are not like other faces, so neither are the thoughts of men. Huh. That's quite a bit different. Quite a bit different. Other than the fact that it mentions a face. <laughs> uh, other than that, it's quite a bit different. Quite a bit different. Verse 20. Masoretic. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of a man are never satisfied. Now, notice this. In verse 20, in the Septuagint, we have 
quite a bit more added here. Or we could say in the Masoretic that it was quite a bit more taken away or left out. However, however which way you want to look at it. Uh, verse 20 in the Septuagint, hell and destruction are not filled, so also are the eyes of men insatiable. Okay, so that's very similar. Uh, but, but we have this added. He that fixes his eye is an abomination to the Lord. And the uninstructed do not restrain their tongue. Hmm. That's a good one. It's a good one for sure. Verse 21 in the Masoretic, the refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, and a man is valued by what others say of him. Verse 21 in the Septuagint, fire is the trial for silver and gold, and a man is tried by the mouth of them that praise him. Very similar, but we also have this whole section here. It's added, this whole, I guess you would call another verse added in there. Or you can say that the Masoretic took it out. The heart of the transgressor seeks after mischiefs, but an upright heart seeks knowledge. Again, very good, very good proverb. Verse 22, Masoretic. Though you grind a fool in a mortar with a pestle, along with crushed grain, yet his foolishness will not depart from him. Hmm. It seems like it's impossible to get foolishness out of the fool. Verse, uh, verse 22 in the Septuagint. Though you scourge a fool, disgracing him in the midst of the council, you will still in no wise or in no way remove his folly from him. I guess that's what makes a fool, isn't it? He doesn't learn. Um, verse 23, Masoretic. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. Septuagint. Thoroughly know the number of your flock and pay attention to your herds. Very, very similar. Verse 24 in the, Meser in the Masoretic. For riches are not forever nor does a crown endure to all generations. Um, Septuagint, for man has not strength and power forever. Oh, so in the Masoretic, what was riches becomes strength and power in the Septuagint, or vice versa. Strength and power is riches. Last part of that verse in the Septuagint, neither um, does he transmit it from generation to generation okay verse 25 masoretic when the hay is removed and the tender grass shows itself and the herbs of the mountains are gathered in the lambs will provide your clothing and the goats the price of a field you shall not or you shall have enough goat's milk for your food for the food of your household and the nourishment of your maidservants. Septuagint, take care of the herbage in the field, and you shall cut you shall cut grass and gather the mountain hay. Different, isn't it? That's different. It's not talking about tender grass that is under the hay. 
and shall cut grass and gather the mountain hay. Um, I suppose you, you could say that, but it doesn't, it's, it's not ex explicit. Verse 26, that you may have wool of, of sheep for clothing. Pay attention to the land that you may have lambs. My son, you have from me words very useful for your life and for the life of your servants. Now that's totally different than what it says in the Masoretic. Masoretic says you shall have enough goat's milk for your food, for the food of your household and the nourishment of your maidservants. Uh, except for the, except for mentioning servants, everything else is pretty much different. So different. Proverbs chapter 28. Um, now I'll just briefly glance at some of the uh, comments here before we go on because we don't want to, uh, I cannot uh, at this point in time, if we have enough time at the end, I will be taking questions, uh, more serious questions. That is, if you have a very quick question, I could answer that right now, but let's see what we got here. Um, Vinny says, Shalom, Shalom, Vinny. Good to see you. Uh, Jordan says, Shalom, Shalom, Jordan. Good to see you. Psalm 119, good to see you. Welcome, welcome. Uh, in the Passion Translation. Yeah, the Passion Translation. So interesting, isn't it? In the Passion Translation, in Proverbs 27, 19, it says, just as no two faces are alike, so every heart is different. Hmm. Yeah, let's just, let me just kind of, Go back there, 19. Because in the Masoretic, it says, as in water, face reflects face, so a man's heart re reveals the man, or if, I guess you would say reflects the man. Um, Septuagint, as faces are not like other faces, so neither are the thoughts of men. It seems so strange, right? This, the way the Septuagint puts it. Um, and the footnote says, as translated from the Aramaic and the Septuagint. Very interesting. So let me just spend a moment here just to look at this a little bit deeper. Just as no two faces are alike, so every heart is different. Now the Septuagint here, as faces are not like other faces, so neither are the thoughts of men. Okay. So yeah, it's it's more like the, the Septuagint than it is the Masoretic. Not entirely the same as the, as the Septuagint, but more like that. Wow, that's interesting. But you see, the Masoretic makes it sound like you got f water reflects your face. I don't know why they would say water and not mirror. Anyway, uh, as the water reflects your face, so the so a man's heart reflects the man. I can see that, but the Septuagint, you know. Honestly, come to think of it right now, it seems to be more, it seems to be, I, I, I like the Septuagint better because it's like, it, it makes, it makes a little bit more sense as faces are not like other faces. So neither are the thoughts of men and putting it that way, uh, the passion translation makes it even more, um, understandable just as no two faces are alike. So every heart is different. That's amazing. 
Thank you for sharing that. That's amazing. Yes. All right. So let's get back. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 28. Check this out. Welcome to Janny over there on Podbean. Good to see you. And those of you who are watching on TikTok, by the way, before I dive into the next uh, chapter here, um, I am streaming live on YouTube um, and several other platforms as well. But I think YouTube is like the primary one. If you are interested um, in actually joining in the live chat and seeing what I'm reading, because I'm sharing my screen, if you're interested in that, just go on over to YouTube and look me up over there. Christopher Enoch on YouTube. I am live right now as I speak. Jenny, like the show. Thank you for liking the show, Jenny. Thank you. It says, Amen. Thank you very much. Thank you for your likes. Yeah, thank you over there on Podbean. Welcome, Yeshua HaMashiach, over there on TikTok. I am streaming live on multiple platforms right now, especially on YouTube. It's Actually, I think most people would like it better on YouTube than any other platform because I got the extra features of the, the extra... You know, sharing my screen and the extra graphical features, I think people would like it better. If you are interested, go over to YouTube right now and look me up. It's Christopher Enoch. I'm over there right now live. The link is in the bio on TikTok, by the way. If you're not on TikTok, Christopher Enoch on YouTube. All right, let's get to it. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1. The Masoretic on the left-hand side, the wicked flee when no one pursues. There's a lot of fear when you're not uh, in when you're not in obedience to the Lord, right? There's a lot of fear. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Love it. Uh, Septuagint, the ungodly man flees when no one pursues, but the righteous is as confident as a lion. Very similar. All right. Verse two, Masoretic, uh, because of the transgression of the of the of a land, so interesting. It talks about the land as opposed to a specific person or people. Because of the transgression of a land, many are its princes. I guess you need more princes for law enforcement. But a man of understanding and knowledge, right will be prolonged. Okay. So in the Septuagint, we have... By reason of the sins of ungodly men, quarrels arise. Oh, different, isn't it? Different. Very different. But a wise man will quell them. Now that is so different. So, so different. Hmm. It's hard to even compare the two. Verse 3, Masoretic. A poor man who oppresses the poor is like a driving rain which leaves no food. Septuagint, a bold man oppresses the poor by ungodly deeds as the impetuous, as an impetuous and profitable reign. Let me just continue to read here, assuming that it's all part of the same sentence. So that they, excuse me, so they that forsake the law praise ungodliness but they that, that love the law fortify themselves with a wall. Hmm. But that, first, that verse 3 
is so different. A bold man oppresses the poor by ungodly deeds. Compare that with simply a poor man who oppresses the poor. And the last part of that verse, as an impetuous and profitable rain, compare that with, is like a driving rain which leaves no no food. So verse 4, which we already read in the Septuagint, those who forsake the law praise the wicked. Now the Septuagint says, so they that forsake the law praise ungodliness. So pretty much, it's very similar. But such as keep the law can contend with them. That's in the Masoretic. That's different than the Septuagint, but they that love the law fortify themselves with a wall. So fortifying yourself with a wall is quite a bit different than contending with the wicked. As it could be, you know, um, that could involve contending with the the wicked, but it certainly is a lot different in, in the way it's worded. Verse five. In the Masoretic, evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand all. Wow. That reminds me of one of those phrases in 1 John, you know, like if, you, if you're born again or if you have the anointing, you know all. Um, verse 5, Septuagint, evil men will not understand judgment, but they that seek the Lord will understand everything. Pretty much the same Different words, but pretty much the same. Verse 6, Masoretic. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than one perverse in his ways, though he be rich. Septuagint, a poor man walking in truth is better than a rich liar. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. You know, I notice this. You know, you you see this so often in the Septuagint. The Septuagint seems to be a lot more blunt or like brutal in, in in the way it words things. Um, verse seven, Masoretic. Whoever keeps the law is a discerning son. Amen to that. But a companion of gluttons shames his father. Verse seven in the Septuagint, a wise son keeps the law, but he that keeps debauchery, keeps up debauchery dishonors his father. So debauchery versus gluttons. Hmm. And in the Septuagint, he that keeps up debauchery versus in the Masoretic, a companion of gluttons. That's quite a bit different. All right. So verse eight, Masoretic, one who increases his possessions by usury and extortion gathers it for him who will pity the poor. Huh. Septuagint. He that increases his wealth by usuries and unjust gains gathers it for him that pities the poor. Um, It's the same. Uh, Verse 9. One who turns away his ear from hearing the law, even even his prayer is an abomination. This is what was quoted by Positive earlier there on YouTube. He that turns away in the Septuagint his ear from hearing the law, even he has made his prayer abominable. Yes. This reminds me of what it says in Psalms. You know, if, if you regard iniquity, iniquity in your heart, the Lord will not hear you. So sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes if you pray, you say, why isn't my prayers answered? 
Well, it could be because of something like that. It could be iniquity, could be sin, could be something in your heart. Um, there's a, a lot of other things it could be, but that's one. Verse 10 in the Masoretic, whoever, whoever causes the upright to go astray in an evil way, he himself will fall into his own pit. But the shameless, or excuse me, the blameless, but the blameless will inherit good. Verse 10 in the Septuagint, he that causes upright men to err in an evil way, himself shall fall into destruction. Transgressor also shall pass by prosperity, but shall not enter into it. Hmm. Different, especially the last part compared to this, the Masoretic. Masoretic doesn't say really anything in the last part about the transgressor. Verse 11, Masoretic, the rich man is wise in his own eyes, but the poor who has understanding searches him out. Verse 11 in the Septuagint, a rich man is wise in his own conceit, but an intelligent poor man will condemn him. Hmm. I like the way that's worded a little bit better. Verse 12, when the righteous re rejoice, there is great glory. But when the wicked arise, men hide themselves. Septuagint, by reason of the, of the help of righteous men, great glory arises. But in the places of ungodly men, but, it, but in the places of the ungodly, men are caught. Different, different, definitely different. Um, by reason of the help of unrighteous, excuse me, by, re, by reason of the help of righteous men, great glory arises. Compare that with when the righteous rejoice, there is great glory. No mention of help there. Uh, Masoretic, but when the wicked arise, men hide themselves. Compare that to, in, but in the places of the ungodly, men are caught. I can see how hide themselves would be similar to caught and wicked be similar to ungodly. But it's, it's like worded very differently. Let's see what the footnote says here. Literally will be searched for. Hmm. And we still don't see that in the Septuagint, talking about hiding or searching or anything like that. Verse 13 in the Masoretic, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. This is awesome. This is awesome. Um, because this, again, this is the gospel. This is the gospel that we read from Genesis to Revelation, with perhaps the exception of Paul, but this is the gospel. You forsake your sin, you will be forgiven. Ezekiel 18, verses 18 through to the end of the chapter. Yeah, that's it. Repent. Verse 13 in the Septuagint, He that covers his own ungodliness shall not prosper, but, but he that blames himself shall be loved. Now, that's quite a bit different than the Masoretic.
Verse 14, happy is the man who, who is always reverent, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Masoretic, blessed is the man who religiously fears always, but the heart of, uh, but the hard of heart shall fall into mischiefs. Similar. Verse 15, Masoretic, like a roaring lion and a charging bear is a wicked ruler over poor people. Septuagint, a hungry lion and a thirsty wolf is he who, being poor, rules over a poor nation. Wow, different. We have a hungry lion versus a roaring lion. lion. And a thirsty wolf versus a charging bear. And we have a wicked ruler over poor people versus a poor ruler over poor people. So it is quite a bit different. Verse 16, Masoretic. A ruler who lacks understanding is a great oppressor. But he who hates covetousness will prolong his days. Septuagint, a king in need of revenues is a great oppressor, but he that hates injustice shall live a long time. Verse 17, a man burdened with bloodshed will flee into a pit. This is the Masoretic. Let no one help him. Septuagint. Now notice we have a whole lot more to this verse in the Septuagint. A whole lot more, like double the amount or more. He that becomes surety for a man charged with murder shall be in exile and not in safety. Well, that makes sense. I mean, you're going to have people wanting justice. Um, but compare that with the Masoretic, a man burdened with bloodshed shall, uh, will flee into a pit. Let no, let no one help him. That's so different. Um, in the last half of this verse, in the Septuagint, chasten thy son and he shall love you and give honor to your soul. But he shall, uh, he shall not obey a sinful nation. That's a complete that's like another whole proverb that's in there that's not in the Masoretic. Verse 18. Whoever walks blamelessly will be saved. Amen to that. But he who is perverse in his ways will suddenly fall. Septuagint, he that walks justly is assisted, but he that walks in crooked ways shall be entangled therein. So we got assisted versus saved. Now in the foot in the footnotes, saved it says here is literally delivered. Verse nineteen, uh, Masoretic: He who tills his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows frivolity will ha will have uh, poverty enough. Septuagint: He that tills his own land shall be satisfied with bread, but he that follows idleness shall have plenty of poverty. Verse 20, Masoretic, a faithful man will abound with blessings, but he who hastens to be rich 
will not go unpunished. Septuagint says, a man worthy of credit shall be much blessed, but the wicked shall not be unpunished. So, again, lots of differences here. In the, in the uh, Septuagint, it says, the wicked shall not be unpunished, whereas the Masoretic says, he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. Verse 21, Masoretic, to show partiality is not good, because for a piece of bread a man will transgress. Septuagint, he that rev- reverences not the persons of the just is not good. Such a one will sell a man, will sell a man for a morsel of bread. So again, we quite a bit dif- a difference here between reverence, someone who reverences the persons of of the just, versus someone who just shows partiality. Now, in the footnotes, it says in the Masoretic, who, who he uh, literally recognizes face, recognize faces. Basically, someone who um, plays favorites. Verse 22 in the Masoretic, um, a man with an evil eye hastens after riches and does not consider that poverty will come upon him. Uh, Septuagint, an envious man makes haste to be rich and knows not that the merciful man will have the mastery over him. Knows not that the merciful man will have mastery over him versus does not consider that a that poverty will come upon him very very different very different verse 23 Masoretic, he who re, he who rebukes a man will find more favor afterward than he who flatters with the tongue Septuagint, he that reproves a man's ways shall have more favor than he that flatters with the tongue. Pretty much the same. Masoretic, verse 24, whoever robs his father or his mother and says it is no transgression, the same as a companion to a destroyer. Verse 24 in the, in the Septuagint, He that casts off his mother or father, casts off versus robs, and and thinks he sins not, the same is partaker with an ungodly man. Hmm. Versus the same as a companion to a, a destroyer, the same as a partaker of an ungodly man. Quite a bit different. Verse 25. He who is of a proud heart stirs up strife. But he who trusts in the Lord will, will be prospered. Septuagint. An unbelieving man judges rashly. Unbelieving? Unbelieving versus proud. One who is a proud in heart. Uh, stirs up strife versus judges rashly. A lot of differences there. But he that trusts in the Lord will act carefully. Versus he who trusts in the Lord will be prospered. Very different. Very different. Verse 26. Masoretic. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whoever walks wisely will be delivered. 
Septuagint, he that trusts to a bold heart, such a one is a fool. But he that walks in wisdom shall be safe. I mean, that's, I guess you might, you would call it vaguely similar. Not very, but it, it, there is similarities between the two. Verse 27, he who gives to the poor will not lack, but he who hides his eyes will have many curses. Septuagint, he that gives to the poor shall not be in want, but he that turns away his eye from him shall be in great distress. Similar. Verse 28, Masoretic, when the, when the wicked arise, men hide themselves. But when they perish, the righteous increase. Septuagint, in the places of an ungodly men, the righteous mourn. But in their destruction, the righteous shall be multiplied. Very interesting. Um, all right, so Proverbs 29. Let me just get to the... Uh, live chat here just see what we got here before we get too far proverbs chapter 29 gonna be interesting we got jehovah jesus welcome welcome good to see you going nowhere this is one of those questions that it can get into a deep discussion but i'll just i'll touch on it I'm sure this question has been asked before, but why did God harden Pharaoh's heart in, in Exodus? For lack of a better way to put it, I mean, somebody somebody had to do it. <laughs> it's a dirty job, but somebody had to do it. That's, I mean, that's uh, really the bottom line. Somebody had to do it. It's just like Judas. Going nowhere, ask a question. Uh, someone else... Uh, Something else I wonder, why are the Dead Sea Scrolls so important? The Dead Sea Scrolls are important because they are older. They are much older. It's met in several different reasons, actually, because um, this would be a good question to ask Onia, um, seeing that he specializes in uh, Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, in From my own uh, opinion, my own view is that they are very important because of their age, because of the location they were found um, I mean, it tells us what these people were, you know, what they believed in. Uh, it, it, it confirmed the younger, the, some of the more recent uh, scriptures, such as the Masoretic, although the Dead Sea Scrolls were different in, in some ways than the Masoretic. Uh, it does confirm a lot of things that it hasn't been corrupted that badly, if you know what I mean. Um you know, it shows us what they believed, um, what, what the Essenes especially believed, and what they what they held as as the um, as their holy text, as the scriptures back in those days. It proved a lot of um, different theories wrong that certain books were created or you know forged or. Um, any of this kind of things like after the fact, it shows it, it proves that the book of Enoch and the book of Jubilees, uh, amongst other books, uh, were uh, considered to be legit and in, in, you know, held right beside a lot of uh, kept right alongside a lot of the other books of Scripture. It, it proved a lot of things very, very important uh, historically as well. Thank you for the question going nowhere.
Tammy, Tammy, Shalom, Shalom, says Tammy. I'm late here. I was up until 2 a.m., Christopher, watching your video on Mr. Jackson Snyder's YouTube. Oh, I didn't even know it was up there. I was in tears more than once, saw a new side of you. Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I didn't know that doc, uh, Dr. Snyder put that up there on his on his YouTube channel. Thank you. Uh, thank you and thank you. All right. Um, yeah, Dr. Snyder, he asked me to, to speak um, uh, for his Shabbat service. And I asked him, I said, you know, what, what should I speak on? I, I can, you know, give me a topic. You know, I, I said I could, you know, basically tell my testimony as a lot of Christians put it or, you know, tell my story or I could I could touch on uh, many different topics. What do you want me to do? He said, you know, I think a lot of people would want to know you more, know you better than people from his uh uh, from his fellowship, he said, uh, he said, I think, you know, could you, uh, could you tell your story? So I did. Um, I didn't get into, I, I could have got into a lot more detail, but I kind of touched on, um, I touched on some of the main things. So thank you very much, Tammy. Um, yeah, so let's get back to Proverbs. I see we have Janny over there on Podbean liking the show. I appreciate, I appreciate it, Janny. Proverbs chapter twenty nine, chapter twenty nine, verse one. Masoretic. He who is often rebuked and hardens hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. Septuagint, a reprover is better than a stiff-necked man. Ah, so different, isn't it? Isn't that so different? So uh, let me just stop here for a second. The Masoretic's got he who is often rebuked. Now that's talking about the man who's rebuked, whereas the Septuagint is talking about the rebuker. A reprover is better than a stiff-necked man versus he who is often rebuked and hardens his neck. <laughs> quite a bit different, quite a bit different. Uh, both are talking about stiff-necks, but one in different ways, very different ways. Mesoretic will suddenly be destroyed in that without remedy versus for when the latter is suddenly set on fire, there shall be no remedy. Yeah. Wow. That's different. And, uh, you know, as, as the Septuagint is, 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 I mean, we got it a little bit more uh, to the point and um, graphic there. Verse one, uh, verse two, Masoretic. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. Septuagint. When the righteous are praised, the people will rejoice. But when the ungodly rule, men mourn. Hmm. Yeah. Verse 3, Masoretic. Whoever loves wisdom makes his father rejoice, but a companion of harlots wastes his wealth. Verse 3. When a man loves wisdom, his father rejoices, but he that keeps harlots will waste wealth. Pretty much the same. Verse 4, Masoretic. 
The king establishes the land by justice, but he who receives bribes overthrows it. Septuagint, a righteous king establishes a country, but a transgressor destroys it. Verse 5, Mesoretic, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. Septuagint, he that prepares a net in the way of his own friend entangles his own feet in it. Different. Mesoretic puts it differently, saying a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. So he likens flattery to actually like a trap almost. Whereas in the Septuagint, says nothing about flattery. He that prepares a net in the way of his own friend entangles his own feet in it. Verse 6 in the Masoretic. By transgression, an evil man is snared, but the righteous sings and rejoices. Verse 6 in the Septuagint. A great snare is spread for, this, for a sinner, but the righteous... The righteous shall be in joy and gladness. Verse 7, Masoretic. The righteous considers the, the cause of the poor, but the wicked does not under, understand such knowledge. Septuagint. A righteous man knows how to judge for the poor, but the ungodly understands not knowledge, and the poor man has not an understanding mind. See, this last part is not found in the Masoretic at all. The poor man not having an understanding mind is not found in the Masoretic at all. Verse 8, Masoretic, scoffers set a city aflame, but wise men turn away wrath. Septuagint, lawless men burn down a city. <laughs> Doesn't that remind us of some of the things that happened in not so recent history? I mean, not so distant history, I should say. Uh, lawless men burn down a city, but wise men turn away wrath. Um, Masoretic, if a wise man contends with a foolish man, whether, uh, whether the fool rages or laughs, there is no peace. Septuagint, a wise man shall judge nations. Well, that's different than contends with a foolish man. But a worthless man... Being angry, laughs, and fears not. Hmm. Verse 10, Masoretic. The bloodthirsty hate the blameless, but the upright seek his well-being. Septuagint. Blood, bloody men hate a holy person, but the upright will seek his soul. Verse 11, Masoretic. A fool vents all his feelings, um, but a wise man holds them back. In the, in the footnotes, sp literally spirit, um, a fool vents all his spirit, but a wise man holds them back. Um, Septuagint, bloody men, oh, excuse me, I got the wrong verse there. A fool utters all his mind. But the wise reserves his in part. Verse 12, Masoretic. If a ruler pays attention to lies, all his servants become wicked. Septuagint, when a king 
hearkens to unjust language, all his subjects are transgressors. Masoretic, the poor man and the oppressor have this in common. The Lord gives light to the eyes of both. Septuagint, when the creditor and debtor meet together, the Lord oversees them both. That makes more sense to me. Then the Lord giving light to a poor, well, I can see the Lord giving light to a poor man, but an oppressor? Uh. Verse 14 in the Masoretic, the king who judges the poor with truth, his throne will be established forever. Septuagint. When a king judges the poor in truth, his throne shall be established for a testimony. Hmm. A bit different. Verse 15, Masoretic. The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Septuagint. Stripes and reproofs give wisdom, but an erring child disgraces his parents. 16. Masoretic. When the wicked are multiplied, transgressors increase, but the righteous will see their fall. Septuagint, when the ungodly abound, sins abound, but when they fall, the righteous are warned. Verse 17, Masoretic, correct your son and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give delight to your soul. Septuagint, ch chasten your son, and he shall give you rest, and he shall give honor to your soul. So we have honor versus delight. Verse 18, Masoretic. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. The word revelation, footnotes, uh, prophetic vision. So where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. It's very interesting how they, they put the law in kind of, it's basically right, meaning they put it both within the same verse, revelation or prophetic revelation with the law, where the law is prophetic revelation. Verse 18 in the Septuagint, there shall be no interpreter, to a sinful nation. But he that ob observes the law is blessed. Very interesting, the first part of that verse, the way it's put, there shall be no interpreter to a sinful nation versus where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. It's almost like one of those half, you know, is the glass half full or half empty? What comes first, the revelation or the sin? What disappears first, the revelation or this or the sin? Um, verse 19, Masoretic. A servant will not be corrected by mere words, for though he understands, he will not respond. Septuagint. A stubborn servant will not be reproved by words, for even if he understands, he will not obey. Masoretic. Do not see a man haste, or excuse me, do, do you see a man hasty in his words? 
There's more hope for a fool than for him. Septuagint, if you see a man hasty in his words, know that the fool has hope rather than he. (laughs) Pretty much saying the same thing in different ways. Verse 21, Masoretic. He who pampers his servant from childhood will have him as a son in the end. Septuagint, he that lives wantonly from a child shall be a servant and in the end shall grieve over himself. So different, isn't it? Isn't that so different from the Masoretic? So different. Thank you, Doodle Dude, for following on TikTok and and for the rose. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Or I should say, Jennifer followed and Doodle Dude sent me a rose. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. So different. Verse 22, Masoretic says, An angry man stirs up strife, and a furious man abounds in transgress- transgression. Excuse me, transgression. Uh, Verse 22 in the Septuagint, a furious man stirs up strife and a passionate man digs up sin. Different. A furious man abounds in transgression, according to the uh, Masoretic, versus a passionate man digs up sin. Verse 23, Masoretic, a man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. Septuagint, pride brings a man low, but the, but the Lord hum, or upholds the humble-minded with honor. Pretty much the same. Verse 24 in the Masoretic, whoever is a partner with a thief hates his own life. He swears to tell the truth, but reveals nothing. Septuagint, he that shares with a thief hates his own soul. Notice the word soul and life um, are comparable here. And if any having heard an oath uttered, tell not of it. Okay, so in the Septuagint, this, this runs right into verse 25, where it doesn't in the Masoretic. Hmm. So if any having heard an oath uttered, tell not of it, and then goes on in verse 25. Well, let me just read verse 25 first in the Masoretic. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Okay, so in the in the Septuagint, again, from verse 24, it runs right through to verse 25. If any having heard an oath uttered, if any having heard an oath uttered, not or tell not of it they they fearing and reverencing men unreasonably having excuse me the way it's the way it's worded here is kind of awkward but let me just start this again if any having heard an oath uttered tell not of it they fearing and reverencing men unreasonably have not be or have been overthrown but he that trusts in the lord shall rejoice Ungodliness shall, or excuse me, ungodliness causes a man to stumble, but he that trusts in his master shall be safe. It's so different and so much more 
words to this than what we have what we see in the Masoretic. So different. So different. Moving on, verse 26 in the Masoretic, uh, many seek the ruler's favor, but justice for man comes from the Lord. Septuagint, many wait on the favor of rulers, but justice comes to a man from the Lord. Very similar. Verse 27 in the Masoretic, an unjust man is an, is an abomination to the righteous, and he who is upright in his way is an abomination to the wicked. Septuagint, a righteous man is an abomination to, the, to an unrighteous man, and the direct way is an abomination to the sinner. So pretty much the same there. Um, Proverbs 30. Wisdom of Agur. Uh, and we have, uh, let me see, Mark joined us. Shalom, Mark. Mark says shalom. Good to see you, brother. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 1. The words of Agur, the son of Yake, uh, his utterance. This man declared to Ithiel, to Ithiel and Ukal. Um, Septuagint says, the thing, these things says the man to them that trust in God, and I cease. Different. Isn't that different? Isn't that different? So different. Okay. Septuagint verse 2. Surely I am more stupid than any man and do not have understanding of a man. Well, I'm glad it makes it clear that it's Agur and not Solomon speaking here. Uh, verse 2 in the Septuagint. For I am the most simple of all men, and there is not in me the wisdom of men. Verse 3, um, Masoretic. I learned, I neither learned wisdom nor have knowledge of the Holy One. Septuagint, God taught me wisdom. Well, that's different. God taught me wisdom, has taught me wisdom, and I know the knowledge of the Holy. So that, there we are, is a clear contradiction. I'm, up until this point, there's a lot of major differences, but not necessarily contradictions. I mean, differences can be contradictions, but it can be indirect um, contradictions. But this, obviously, is a, is a, is a contradiction. Uh, again, here in the Masoretic, keep in mind the Masoretic is younger than the Septuagint. Septuagint, Septuagint is quite a bit older. The Masoretic says, I neither learned wisdom nor have knowledge of the Holy One, versus God has taught me wisdom, and I know the knowledge of the Holy clear contradiction verse 4 Masoretic who has ascended into heaven or descended who has gathered the wind in his fist this reminds me of uh, um, Jordan if you're still listening there this reminds me of uh, Ted Pierce Ted Pierce's song um, anyway who has ascended into heaven into heaven or descended who has gathered the wind in his fists who has bound the waters in in a garment 
who has established all the ends of the earth. What is his name and what is his son's name? If you know, that's all one verse. Verse 4 of the Septuagint. Who has gone up and gone up to heaven and come down? Who has gathered the winds in his bosom? Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? Who has dominion of all the ends of the earth? What is his name? Or what is the name of his children? So a major difference here. Uh, I mean, we don't have a whole lot of difference, but we do have this last part. For what is the name of his children? What is the name of his children versus what is his son's name? And son is in capital letters. So, I mean, the, the translators of the New King James Version obviously thought that they were talking about Yeshua or Jesus. And the Masoretic adds, if you know, and we don't have that in the Septuagint. Verse 5. For all the words of God, um, let me just do the Masoretic I was reading. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Septuagint, for all the words of God are tried in the fire, and he defends those that reverence him. Different, quite a bit different. So in the Masoretic, there's a footnote here next to the word pure, uh, tested, refined, found pure. So it's a little bit closer to to the idea that it's refined in the fire, although it doesn't mention fire directly. Um, Septuagint adds that in there, or I should, or the Masoretic takes it out of there. Um, but quite a bit different, quite a bit different. Every word of God is pure, and, and he is a shield to those who put their trust in him, versus for all the words of God are tried in the fire, and he, def he defends those that reverence him. Verse 6, do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Verses Septuagint, add not unto his words, lest he reprove you and you be made a liar. Verse 7, two things I request of you, deprive me not before I die. Septuagint, two things I ask of you, Take not favor from me before I die. Verse 8, Masoretic, remove falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me. Verse 8 in the Septuagint, remove far from me vanity and falsehood and give me not wealth or poverty, but appoint me what is needful and sufficient. Verse 9, Masoretic, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of, of my God. Septuagint, lest I be filled and become false and say, Who sees me? Who sees me? 
Okay, let's compare that with the Masoretic step by step. Lest I be full and deny you versus lest I be filled and become false. It's quite a bit different. And say, who sees me versus who say, who is the Lord? Septuagint, be be poor or be poor and steal and, and swear vainly in the name of God versus or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. So quite a bit different. Verse 10. Mesoretic. Do not do not malign a servant for uh, to his master, lest he curse you and you be found guilty. Septuagint, deliver not a servant into the hands of his master, lest he cursed you and you be utterly destroyed. Found guilty versus utterly destroyed. Verse 11, Mesoretic. There is a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. Septuagint, a wicked generation. A wicked generation. See, it's more um, descriptive here in the Septuagint. A wicked generation curse their father and do not bless their mother. Verse 12. There is a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet is not washed from its filthiness. Verse 12 here um, in the Septuagint, a wicked generation. Again, it's specific, a wicked, not just there is a generation, but rather a wicked generation judge themselves to be just and do not cleanse their way. Let me just say this. I need I need to say this because I've seen this so much recently and I do believe this is the case. When you see the word generation in the scriptures, it does not mean what you think it means. It does not mean what we normally think it to mean in today's vernacular. Like it, it does not mean necessarily like the the duration of one's life or the, the or like 40 years or 50 or 60 years or within 100 years it 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 could mean like a whole uh it could mean a whole group of people uh throughout the generations or throughout the ages a generation can also mean now not in this context because it's very specific it's a wicked generation but generation can mean everything from adam until today Okay, uh, it can mean that it couldn't. It can mean the entire history of the human race is what it could mean, um, not necessarily what a lot of people think that it means. And, and this is what a lot of people got in a lot of trouble with before when it comes to trying to um, um, uh, predict the coming of of the Lord. Right? The coming of the Lord, where, where God said that uh, in uh, you know, this generation will not pass away except, you know, unless these things, you know, when these things, when you see these things happening, that generation will not pass away and so on and so forth. Um, and so you got people that say, okay, well, well, let's calculate it out. Let's see how many, how many years is a generation? You know, what does it mean? What Jesus could have been saying, what Yeshua could have been saying, if he said, you know, this generation will not pass away, he's talking about this whole entire generation of the earth. You see, because 
you get all this error, like, you know, again, I mentioned this several times before, but again, you know, the whole thing about, well, Jesus will come back in 1988. There's 88 reasons why Jesus will come back in 1988. And this was one of the big sticking points, what the word generation meant. We need to open our minds more and not get so stuck on mathematical equations. And, and people, they mix uh, today's definitions with yesterday's definitions, with yesterday's language. Keep in mind, I mean, these what we're reading is, you know, if you're reading any part of the Bible, it's, you know, around 2,000 years or older. So you got to ask yourself a question. What did this word mean way back then? And sometimes it's almost impossible to really know what it really meant back in those days without extra biblical works that you can compare it to that actually give you a clear definition. For example, the, uh, the MMT that gives a clear definition of what the so-called works of the law are, which isn't what Christians think it is today, by the way. So, um, we got to keep in mind when it says generation, it doesn't necessarily mean what we think it means today. It can mean hundreds of years, thousands of years. It can mean a whole group of people, a whole nation. Uh, it can mean a lot more than you think it means. Uh, a wicked generation, it could mean like the whole brood of wicked people from the from the beginning till now. Verse 12 in the Masoretic, there is a generation that is, so we read this, that is pure in their own eyes, yet is not washed from its filthiness in the Septuagint. A wicked generation judge themselves to be just, but do not cleanse their way. Uh, verse 13 in the Masoretic, there is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes, and their eyelids are lifted up, lifted up in the um, footnotes in arrogance, in arrogance. Okay, so in the Septuagint, a wicked generation have lofty eyes and exalt themselves with their eyelids. Verse 14, there is a generation whose teeth are like swords and whose fangs are like knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. Verse 14 in the Septuagint, a wicked generation have swords for teeth and jaw teeth as knives so as to destroy and devour the lowly from among the earth or from the earth and the poor of them from among men. Similar. Verse 15 in the Mesoretic, the leech has two daughters, give and give. There are three kings that are never satisfied, or excuse me, kings, three things. I guess I'm, <laughs> my eyes are getting tired here. There are three things that are never satisfied, four never say enough. In the Septuagint, the horse, the horse leech, see, it's more, we got more specific it's more specific here in the Septuagint. The horse leech had three dearly beloved daughters, and these three did not satisfy her. So again, here is an apparent um, contradiction. 
The leech has two daughters. The horse leech has three dearly beloved daughters. These three did not satisfy her. And the fourth was not contented so as to say enough. There are three things in the Masoretic that, that are never satisfied. Four never say enough. Verse 16, Masoretic, the grave, the barren womb, the earth that is not satisfied with water, and the fire never says enough. Septuagint, the grave and the love of a woman, that's different than a, the barren womb. And, and the earth that is the earth not filled with water. Water also and fire will not say enough. So there's more added there, definitely. Verse 17, Masoretic, the eye that mocks his, his father and scorns obedience to his mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out, and the young eagles, the young eagles will eat it. Verse 17, Septuagint, the eye that laughs to scorn a father and dishonors the old age of a mother. Let the ravens of the valleys pick it out. And the young eagles devour it. So very much alike. Verse 18, Masoretic. There are three things which are too wonderful for me. Yes, four, which I do not understand. Septuagint, moreover, there are three things impossible for me to comprehend. And the fourth, I know not. That's similar. Verse 19, Masoretic, the way of an eagle in the air. In the Septuagint, it's the track of a flying eagle. Masoretic, the way of a serpent on a rock. That's the same as the Septuagint, the way of a serpent, the ways of a serpent on a rock, except for the fact that it's plural. Um, Masoretic, the way of a ship in the midst of the sea, in the Septuagint, Septuagint plurals again, the paths of a ship passing through the sea. And the way of a man with a virgin in the Septuagint, in the ways of a man in, in youth. Okay. So, again in the Septuagint, we see the lack of reference to a female there. All right. So, um, very very interesting. Verse 12 or 20 in the in the Masoretic. This is the way of an adulterous woman. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wickedness. Septuagint, such is the way of an adulterous woman who having washed herself from what she has done, she says, or says she has done nothing amiss. So in the Septuagint, having washed herself versus wipes her mouth, different. Similar, but different. Uh, verse 21, for three things, this is Mesoretic, for three things the earth is perturb, perturbed, yes, for it cannot bear up. Septuagint, 
by three things the earth is troubled, and the fourth it cannot bear. Masoretic, for a servant when for a servant when he reigns, Septuagint, if a servant reign, Masoretic, a fool when he is filled with food, same thing in the in the Septuagint, fool filled with food. Masoretic, a hateful woman when she is married, Septuagint, or a maidservant should cast out her own mistress. Now we see that in the Masoretic later, uh, down here, and a maidservant who succeeds her mistress. And then in the Septuagint, and if a hateful woman should marry a good man. So we got those two points kind of mixed up, and then we have the good man added in the Septuagint. Very interesting. Verse 24, Masoretic. There are four things which are little on the earth, but there are but they are exceedingly wise. Septuagint, and there are four very little things upon the earth. So we have the extra. Again, we have the extra details of very little things as opposed to just four things upon the earth. But these are wiser than the wise. In the Masoretic, the ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their food for this, uh, in the summer. The ants are a people, not so. Uh, verse 25 in the Septuagint, the ants which are weak yet prepare their food in the summer. I like the Septuagint here better, seeing that it doesn't call ants people. Um, verse 26, Masoretic, the rock badgers are feeble, feeble folk, yet they make their homes in the crags. Um Septuagint, the rabbits are also a feeble race who make their houses in the rocks. Masoretic, verse 27. The locusts have no king, yet they, yet they all advance in ranks. Septuagint, the locusts have no king, yet they yet march orderly at one command. Different says similar things, but different, talking about commands. Imagine the ants have commands, or the locusts, I should say. Locusts follow commands. Uh, verse 28, Masoretic, the spider skillfully grasps with its hands, and, in its, and it is in king's palaces. Septuagint, and the eft, which supports itself by its hands, and is easily taken, dwells in the fortresses of kings. Different, similar but different. Verse 29, Masoretic, there are three things which are majestic in pace, yes, four, which are stately in walk. Septuagint, there are three things which go well, that's different than majestic in pace, and, and, a, and a fourth, which passes along finely. I guess that could be com comparable with stately and walk. Um, verse 30, Masoretic, a lion 
which is mighty among beasts and does not turn away from any. Masoretic, a lion's whelp, is different, stronger than all the other beasts, which turns not away nor fears any beasts. A little bit more detail there. Verse 31, Masoretic, a greyhound, a male goat also, and a king whose troops are with him. Now, in the footnotes, the greyhound, it says here, or perhaps a strutting rooster, literally girded of waist. There would be quite a bit of a difference between a greyhound and a strutting rooster. Now, the Septuagint translators seem to think that it's a strutting rooster and a cock walking in boldly walking in boldly among the hens or cockerel and the goat and the goat leading in or leading the herd and the king publicly speaking before a nation so a lot more detail here um we got a cockerel walking boldly among hens which doesn't say anything about hens in the Masoretic. We have a goat leading the herd. doesn't say anything about goats leading the herd, although it doesn't say a male goat uh, in the Masoretic. Septuagint says a king speaking public, publicly speaking before a nation, whereas the Masoretic, a king whose troops are with him, in the footnotes, a Jewish tradition, a king against whom there is no uprising. So quite a bit different there. Verse 32, Masoretic. If you have been foolish in exalting yourself, or if you have devised evil, put your hand on your mouth. In the Septuagint, if you abandon yourself to mirth and stretch forth your hand in a quarrel, you, you shall be disgraced. Completely different. Completely different. Verse 33, Masoretic. For as the churning of milk produces butter and wringing the nose produces blood, so the forcing of wrath produces strife. Septuagint, milk out milk and there shall be butter. And if you wing one's nostrils, there shall come out blood. So if you extort words, there will come forth quarrels and strifes. So it talks about extorting words where it doesn't in the Masoretic. Okay, so we've got the next up is Proverbs 31, very uh, famous in its passage of yeah, the words of King Lemuel's mother. Uh, Proverbs 31. Verse 1, the words of King Lemuel, the utterance which his mother taught him. Septuagint, my words have been spoken by God, the oracular answer of a king whom his mother instructed. That makes more sense. Um, 
because like really you got to ask yourself a question like this king lemuel who is this king lemuel was it translated as a name which it shouldn't have been translated as a name maybe it should have been just translated you know because every name means something so could it have been translated wrongly here that were actually not translated at all but rather transliterated the word lemuel yeah okay so the word lemuel is hebrew which means for god okay so the words basically spoken for god which would have been which makes it more sense so the septuagint makes it more sense here makes more sense in actually translating lemuel as a as opposed to transliterating lemuel so yes let's move on this is verse two of the masoretic what my son and what son of my womb and what son of my vows versus septuagint which says what will you keep my son what the words of god my firstborn son i speak to you what son of my womb what son of my vows different a little bit similar but different verse 3 masoretic do not give your strength to women nor your ways to that which destroys kings versus septuagint give not your wealth to women nor your mind and living and living to remorse do all things with counsel drink wine with counsel again so much difference the first the first phrase is very similar but other than that it's very different very different verse 4 masoretic it is not for kings o lemuel uh, it is not for kings to drink wine nor for princes intoxicating drink versus the septuagint which just simply says princes are prone are prone to anger let them then not drink wine well, that again to me this makes a whole lot more sense uh, it's clearer i should say maybe not makes more sense but who again who is this king lemuel anyway who is lemuel could have been ill translated badly translated verse five lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted septuagint lest they drink and forget wisdom different here in the septuagint and not able to judge the poor rightly verse six give strong drink to him who is perishing and wine to those who are bitter of heart septuagint give strong drink to those who are in sorrow and wine to drink to those in pain. Hmm. Different. 
Give strong drink to him who is perishing versus him who is in sorrow. Verse 7, Masoretic. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. Septuagint, that they may forget their poverty and may not remember their troubles anymore. Very similar. Verse 8, Masoretic. Open your mouth for the speechless. In the cause of all who are appointed to die, open your mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. I just read two verses there. Let me just read here in the Septuagint, verses 8 and 9. Open your mouth with the word of God and judge all fairly. Again, this is very different than open your mouth for the speechless in the cause of all who are appointed to die. Verse 9 in the Septuagint, open your mouth and judge justly, which is similar to the Masoretic, and plead the cause of the poor and weak. Pretty much well, similar to the Masoretic. Here's a famous passage, the virtuous wife, as the Septuagint puts, uh, or at least the translators of the Septuagint put the virtues of a noble woman. Masoretic, verse 10. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. Septuagint. Who shall find a virtuous woman? Doesn't say wife here. For such a one is more valuable than precious stones. Verse 11, Masoretic. The heart of her husband safely trusts her. So she or so he will have no lack of gain. Septuagint, the heart of her husband trusts in her. Such a one shall stand in no need of fine spoils. Similar. Verse 12, Masoretic. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Septuagint, for she employs all her living for her husband's good. Hmm. Different, but similar. Verse 13, Masoretic, she seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. Septuagint, gathering wool and flax, she makes it serviceable with her hands. Verse 14, she is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. Septuagint, she is like a ship trading from a distance. So she pro procures her livelihood. Verse 15, she also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household. Verse 15, in the Septuagint, and she rises by night and gives food to her husband and appoints tasks to her maidens. A little bit more detail there. Uh, it says here, yeah, it says here in the, in the Masoretic, I didn't read it, and a portion for her maid servants. Verse 16 in the Masoretic, she considers a field and buys it. From her prophets, she plants a vineyard. 
in the Septuagint, she views a farm and buys it. And with the fruit of her hand, she plants and, and, uh, and a possession. Verse 17, Masoretic. She, she girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. Verse 17 in the Septuagint. She strongly girds her loins and strengthens her arms for work. Verse 18 in the Masoretic. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. Septuagint. And she finds by experience that working is good. That's different. And her candle goes not out all night. That last part is similar. Verse 19. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. Septuagint. She reaches forth her arms to needful works and applies her hands to the spindle. Verse 20, she extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. Septuagint, and she opens her hands to the needy and reaches out fruit to the poor. Verse 21, Masoretic, she is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. Verse 21, different here. You see this already. Her husband, doesn't say husband in the Masoretic. In the Septuagint, it says her husband is not anxious about those at home when he tarries anywhere abroad, for all her household is, are clothed. So basically, in the Septuagint, her husband's not afraid, whereas in the, in the Masoretic, she is not afraid. Verse 22, Masoretic. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Septuagint. She makes for her husband clothes of double texture and garments for herself of fine linen and scarlet. 23. Masoretic. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Septuagint. And her husband becomes a distinguished person in the gates when he sits in council with old inhabitants of the land. I got to chuckle a little bit. Old inhabitants versus elders. Just the way it's put. Verse 24, Masoretic. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the, for the merchants. Septuagint, she makes fine linens and sells girdles to the Canaanites, she opens her mouth heedfully and with propriety and controls her tongue. So, don't say anything about tongue in the Masoretic. Or opening her mouth heedfully with propriety. So it's quite different. Um, verse 25 in the Masoretic Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. Septuagint. She puts on strength and honor and rejoices in the last days. Interesting how it says last days, meaning time to come 
in the uh, Masoretic. Verse 26, Masoretic. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. Subtuitant. But she opens her mouth wisely and according to the law. Doesn't mention kindness there. Verse 27. Masoretic. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Verse 27 in the Septuagint. The ways of her household are careful and she eats not the bread of idleness. Verse 28, Masoretic text. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Verse 28 in the Septuagint. And her, and her kindness to them sets up her children for them. Hmm. And they grow rich. And her husband praises her. That's different. It's worded different. I can see similar words and phrases, but worded different. Verse 29, Masoretic. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Subtuagent. Many daughters have, ob have obtained wealth. Many have wrought valiantly, but you have exceeded. You have surpassed all. Verse 30, charms. Charm in, in the... Um, Masoretic is deceitful, and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Septuagint. Charms are false, and a woman's beauty is vain, for it is wise, it is a wise woman that is blessed, and let her praise the fear of the Lord. Verse 31, Masoretic, give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Subtuagent, give her the fruit of her lips, different than fruit of her hands, and let her husband be praised in the gates versus let her own works praise her in the gates. Very different. That my dear friends and brothers and sisters, is the conclusion of the book of Proverbs. Now, we will get into the book of Solomon, and we're going to read from the Odes of Solomon as well. Um, wow, this is amazing. Chantel on YouTube says, My grandma was the epitome of Proverbs 31 woman. Um, she was all that and had a great sense of humor. She was a saint in my eyes. She she was never angry a day in her life. You know, I can say in my, my grandmother was very much like that as well. My grandmother as well. So I hear you. My grandmother was was a very hard work working and very distinguished and well-esteemed, uh, wonderful and godly woman for sure. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. So let's get over to... Um, uh, the um, Wisdom of Solomon here. I just got to, where am I? Wisdom of Solomon. Chapter 11. 
So let's do it. Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 11 and 12. Very powerful. This, by the way, this book, Wisdom of Solomon, is still in many, many Bibles today. Um, many, actually, the most of the of all the 12 plus church canons out there uh, that are in the church actually includes this in the Bible. Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 11, verse 1. Wisdom brought success to the people of Israel through a holy prophet. They traveled across a desert where no one lived and encamped in places where no human had ever been. They stood up to their enemies and fought them off. When your people grew thirsty, they called to you, Lord, and you gave them water flowing out, out of solid rock. The disasters that punished the Egyptians saved your people when they were in trouble. Because those enemies decreed that the babies of your people should be killed, you stirred up the sources of their ever-flowing river and made it foul with blood. In the desert, you let your people go thirsty to give them a taste of how you had punished their enemies. And then, when they least expected it, you gave them plenty of water. When they, when they were being tested, even though it was a merciful discipline, they learned how wicked people were tortured when you judged them in anger. You tested your people as parents test their children to warn them. But you judged their enemies like a stern king and condemned them. They suffered, whether they were near your people or far from them. Their sorrow was doubled. They groaned as they looked back on what, they, what had happened. When they learned that their punishment had been a benefit to your people, they realized that it was your work, Lord. The Egyptians had refused to have anything to do with that man who, long before, as a baby, had been thrown out and exposed. But as things worked out, they came to be amazed at him. The righteous never suffered a thirst like theirs. Their wickedness misled them into silly ideas so that they worship snakes and other disgusting animals, creatures without any powers of, of reason. Notice how important, how it, it points out the idea of reason and how important it is. Because of this, you punished them with millions of such animals and taught them that punishment for sin takes the same form as the sin itself. Your mighty power, Lord, created the, the world out of material. And you know what? Let me just back up for a second. This is very interesting. This is extremely interesting. Punishment for sin takes the same form as the sin itself. This is so interesting because... We read, I believe it was, when, uh, would it be the Legends of the Jews, where it talks about how um, Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed by fire because of the sin that they engaged in was, was they burned with passion 
illicit sinful passion, and thus God burned their city. So in the same way they were punished, the punishment took the same form as the sin itself, more or less, figuratively speaking. It's very interesting. And you notice as well that the, they, you know, they murdered the firstborn of the children of Israel uh, when Moses was born. The firstborn sons, right? Uh, and so they murdered those babies, and later on, God killed their babies. Right? The firstborn died on the last plague on Egypt. Verse 17, your mighty power, Lord, created the world out of material that had no form at all. Right? So this is the reason. When the earth was first created, it was formless, as it says in Genesis. right? And God took a formless earth and informed it. You could easily have punished those, those people by sending an invasion of bears or savage lions. You could have created new animal, new and terrible animals that could breathe fire or roar and send out clouds of smoke or shoot out fearful sparks from their eyes. This, I believe, talking about um, in the days of Job, we have the Leviathan that um, is very similar to that. You could have made animals like these that would not have to attack people to kill them, but could snare that snare them to death just by looking at them. But this was not necessary. You could have pursued them with your justice or struck them dead at the slightest hint of your power. But you have not chosen, or you, excuse me, but you have chosen to measure, count, and weigh everything you do. You can show your great power at any time you wish, and no one can stand up against it. In your sight, the whole world is a grain of sand, barely heavy enough to tip a pair of scales, a drop of dew on the ground in the morning. You are powerful enough to do anything, but you are merciful to everyone. You overlook our sins and give us time to repent. This is, this is the whole bottom line. Give us time to repent. You love everything that exists. You do not despise anything that you have made. If you have not, if you had not liked it, you would you would not have made it in the first place. How could anything last if you did not want it to? How could it endure if you had not created it? You have allowed it all to exist, O Lord, because it is yours, and you love every living thing. Chapter 12. Your immortal spirit is in every one of them. And so you gently correct those who sin against you. You remind them of what they are doing and warn them about that. And warn them about it. So that they may abandon their evil ways and put their trust in you, Lord. You hated the people who lived in your holy land long ago. Because they did horrible things. They practiced ma magic. 
and conducted unholy worship. They killed children without mercy and ate the flesh and blood of human beings. They were initiated into secret rituals in which parents murdered their own defenseless children. Oh, how we see this today, don't we? Oh, how we see this today. It was your will for our ancestors to destroy these people so that the land, which you consider the most precious of all lands, would be suitable a suitable home for your people. But even in this, you showed mercy toward their enemies, since they were only human beings. You sent hornets ahead of your army to destroy the enemy gradually. You could have allowed the righteous to destroy those ungodly people in battle. You could have wiped them out immediately with wild animals or with one harsh command. But instead, you carried out your sentence gradually to give them a chance to repent, even though you knew that they came from evil stock, that that they had been wicked since birth, and that they, they would never change their way of thinking. Their whole nation was cursed from the start. And though you had punished not, excuse me, and though you had not punished them for their sins, it was not because you were afraid of anyone. You created those wicked people, and no one can speak in their defense or condemn you for destroying them. No one can question what you have done or challenge your judgment. All things are under your care, and there is no other God to whom you must justly justify your decisions. No king or ruler on earth can accuse you of punishing those people unfairly. You are righteous, and you rule everything righteously. You have never used your power to condemn a person who does not deserve to be punished. Your strength is the source of justice. You can show mercy to everyone because you are the Lord of all. You show your strength when people doubt that your power is perfect, and you punish anyone who knows your power but dares to ignore it. Even though you have absolute power, you are a merciful judge. You could take action against us whenever you like, but instead you rule you rule us with great patience. By the things you have done, you have taught your people that a person who is righteous must also be kind. You have given your people abundant hope by allowing them to repent of their sins. You were very careful and patient in punishing your people's enemies. Even when they deserved to die, you gave them every opportunity to give up their sinful ways. But you judged your own people very strictly, even though you made covenants with their ancestors and had solemnly promised to give them good things. Yes, you punish us, but you punish our enemies 10,000 times more. So that when we judge others, we may remember your goodness. And when we are being judged, we may look for mercy. And so you tormented those who were foolish enough to live wickedly. You tormented them with horrible things they worshipped. 
and had wandered far away from the truth and worshipped the most disgusting and horrible animals. They were deceived as easily as little children. And so you punished them for their stupidity and your judgment made them look like fools. It was a light punishment, but those who pay no attention to such warnings deserve to feel the full weight of God's judgment. When they were punished with those creatures they considered gods, they become bitterly disillusioned and recognize that the true God was one was the one they had always refused to acknowledge. This is why they suffered the final punishment. Odes of Solomon, Ode 21. I lifted up my arms on high on account of the compassion of the Lord, because he cast off my bonds from me. And my helper lifted me up according to his compassion and his salvation. And I put off darkness and put on light. And even I myself acquired members. In them there was no no sickness or affliction or suffering. And abundantly helpful to me was the thought of the Lord and his everlasting fellowship. And I was lifted up in the night, in the light, excuse me. I was lifted up in the light. And I, and I passed before him, and I was constantly near him while praising and confessing him. He caused my heart to overflow, and it was found in my mouth, and it sprang forth unto my lips. Then upon my face increased the exaltation of the Lord and his praise. Hallelujah. Ode 22. He who caused me to descend from on high and to ascend from the regions below, and he who gathered what is in the middle and throws them to me, he who scatters my enemies and my adversaries, he who gave me authority over bonds so that I might unbind them, he who overthrew my hands, excuse me, he who overthrew by my hands the dragon with seven head, heads, and set me on his roots that I might destroy his seed. You were there and helped me, and in every place your name surrounded me. Your right hand destroyed this evil, his evil venom, and your hand leveled the way for those you believe who believe in you. And it chose them from the graves and separated them from the dead ones. And it took dead bones. It took dead bones and covered them with flesh. But they were motionless and it gave them energy for life. Incorruptible was your way and your face. You have brought your word, your world, excuse me. You have brought your world to corruption. And everything might be resolved and renewed. And the foundation of everything is your rock. And upon you and upon it you have built your kingdom. And it became your dwelling place of the Holy Ones. It became the dwelling place of the Holy Ones. Hallelujah. Ode 23. Joy is for the Holy Ones. And who shall put it on but they alone? Grace is for the elect ones. And who shall receive it 
but they who trusted in it from the beginning. Love is for the electrons, and who shall put it on but they who possessed it from the beginning? Walk in the knowledge of the Lord, and you will know the grace of the Lord generously, both for his exaltation and for the perfection of his knowledge. And his thought was like a letter, and his will descended from on high. And it was sent, excuse me, yeah, and it, and it was sent like an arrow, which from a bow has been forcibly shot. And many hands rushed to the letter in order to catch it and then take it and read it. But it escaped from their fingers, and they were afraid of it, and of the seal which was upon it, because they were not allowed to loosen its seal. For the power which was over the seal was greater than they. But those who saw the letter went after it, that they might learn where it would, where it would land, and who should read it, and who should hear it. But a wheel received it, and it came over it. And a sign was with it, and the kingdom of providence, and everything which was disturbing the wheel, it mowed and cut down. And it restrained a multitude of adversaries and bridged rivers. And it crossed over and uprooted many forests and made an open way. The head went down to the feet, because unto the feet ran the wheel and whatever had come upon it. The letter was of the letter was one of command, and hence all regions were gathered together. And there was seen at its head the head which was revealed, even the Son of Truth from the Most High Father. And he inherited and possessed everything, and, they, and then the scheming of the many ceased. Then all the seducers became headstrong and fled, and all and the and the persecutors became extinct and were blotted out. And the letter became a large volume, which was entirely written by the finger of God. And the name of the Father was upon it, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, to rule forever and ever. Hallelujah. Ode 24. The dove, flu the dove fluttered over my head of the Lord Messiah. Excuse me. The dove fluttered over the head of the Lord Messiah because he was her head. And she sang over him, and her voice was heard. Then the inhabitants were afraid, and the foreigners were disturbed. The bird began to fly, and every creeping thing died in its hole. And the chasms were opened and closed, and they were seeking the Lord as those who were about to give birth. But he, was, but he was not given to them for nourishment, because he did not belong to them. But the chasms were submerged in the seal of the Lord, and they, and they perished in, in the thought with which they had remained from the beginning. For they were in labor from the beginning, and the end of their travail was life. And all of them who were lacking perished. 
because they were not able to express the word so that they might remain. And the Lord destroyed the devices of all those who had not the truth with them, for they were lacking in wisdom, they who exalted themselves in their mind. So they were rejected because the truth was not with them. For the Lord revealed his way and spread widely his grace, and those who understood it knew his food knew his holiness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, guys, this, that is, uh, that's it for our scripture reading tonight. Okay, so um, lots of awesome things we covered there tonight. Um, so um, once again, I am, um, I'm going to be reading the scriptures, Lord willing, uh, every night from now until Thursday night, excuse me, at least Thursday night, perhaps even Friday night as well. Um, what I'm going to be looking at is probably having like reserving Friday, Saturday, and su- perhaps Sunday, but Friday and Saturday anyway for uh, special guests. And so Lord willing, we will have a special guest on either Friday and or Saturday, perhaps Sunday uh, afternoon as well. It all depends on how it goes. Um, if I do have a special guest on Sunday afternoon, it might be earlier on, let's say like 1 p.m. Eastern, like we did before with uh, Rabbi Singer. We had him, this was a few months ago, that, that was earlier on. Uh, that might happen again. So again, um, please keep your eyes peeled on, on this channel. Make sure you're subscribed and following and have the notifications on. Um, in the meantime, uh, we're going to be reading the scriptures again, uh, going through everything um, and discussing it, reading the, uh, comparing the manuscripts as we go. Um, as usual, taking your questions and your comments. So thank you very much, guys. That'll be it for tonight. I'm wrapping it up. Thank you. You guys are awesome. As always, you guys are watching on TikTok. Um, Janny there on Podbean. Thank you very much. I will be back tomorrow again, uh, same time, same place, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern, and we'll be picking up where we left off. Now, we just we just completely went through the entire book of Proverbs. Uh, so we finished that. We'll get into um, another book. And again, we're reading chronologically, at least somewhat chronologically as much as we can, uh, all things considered. Karina asked a question. I have been looking into buying the Septuagint. Which one would be a great study to start with? Um, I am. I have to uh, be upfront here. I am not familiar with every translation. I know there there is at least a few different translations of the Septuagint. There's also a, a few different um, manuscripts of the Septuagint as well. What I have, and this is the only thing I can speak of, and this is what I've been reading from actually. I have the um, uh, the Septuagint with the Apocrypha by Brenton, okay? And this is something you can find. You can find this online, okay? Um, high, highly recommended you get this. Uh, I'm not saying this is the absolute best translation. I mean, uh, again, I'm not that familiar with the other ones, and so I can't really can't really compare them. However, it is a translation of the Septuagint, and that's the one 
Uh, it's from the Brenton, actually, that I've been reading from um, uh, low these several nights. If you're looking for a Septuagint online, what I have been reading from is BibleHub.com Septuagint. And that Septuagint is also from the um, uh, from the Brenton. So there is the NETS Septuagint as well. That's something you might want to look into. Again, I'm sorry I cannot comment on that. I'm not that familiar with it, but uh, I understand that that's a good one as well. Thank you very much for asking, Karina. Okay, guys, the Great Deception says, thank you, brother. Shalom and blessings to you all. Blessings multiplied to you as well. Thank you, brother. Tammy says, thank you as always. Have a great night. You, you too, Tammy. Thank you. Chantel says, God bless you all. God bless you more, Chantel. And Sergeant says, thank you. Good reading. Thank you very much, Sergeant. I hope it was a blessing to all you guys as it was to me. I'll see you again tomorrow as always. And as always, I pray for each one of you that are, that are listening, either on the podcast or in the replay, whatever it is. I pray the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you, lift up his countenance upon you and give you wonderful, wonderful shalom. Amen, amen. See you tomorrow night.